Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Ecotech Podcast. As always, I'm your host, the morally ambiguous hero who is dangerously close to becoming his own antithesis, Z. And unfortunately, I'm not joined this week by my co-host, the supporting cast that brings him back from the edge. Ah, that's right. Unfortunately, Jay, my trusty co-pilot, cannot join us this week. He's actually in Europe, uh, tracking down the son of a bitch that killed his father. So he uh, he will be inaccessible for the time being. Um, so in the meantime, I figured spin my wheels a little bit here, cover a couple news things just to pat it out. And then uh, I actually, we, we do have a little segment featuring the both of us that I will... Uh, Throwing at the end here, I'll explain in a minute. But like I said, I just want to cover a couple things here. Um, the last week, you know, it's got a bit of a Star Wars slant, as you might guess, but that's all right. Um, so the big thing, uh, right off the top, is that Ray Stevenson unfortunately passed away. Frankly, he's done a lot of work in the kind of areas that we cover: The Punisher, in Punisher Warzone, Volstagg in the Thor movies, uh, voiced Gar Saxon in Star Wars: The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, and is Balon in the upcoming Star Wars Ahsoka. And yeah, he just uh, he just passed away while filming a movie in Italy. I don't think they've specifically said of what yet, but I mean, it's a real shame. It's very unfortunate. I mean, it'll be interesting to, to see, obviously, you know, in what will evidently now be one of his final roles coming up here, how that all plays out. But obviously, it's just it's a real shame. Thoughts going out to his, you know, friends and family. Uh, there's been a ton of news spinning around the past week about the Fantastic Four and the possible casting thereof, MCU version, um, and it seems like the main, or the sort of most common one that, um, has been settled on by a lot of sort of news, uh, places, I guess you'd call them, of of varying rapidity, so, I mean, definitely take it all with a grain of salt, but, um, it seems like the, the one is gonna be Reed Richards will be Adam Driver, uh, Margot Robbie will be Sue Storm, Paul Mescal will be Johnny Storm, and David Diggs will be The Thing. So I think some of those names have definitely been floating around. I would say Adam Driver and Margot Robbie in particular for a long time um, in possible connection with these roles. But it's so so hard to, like, you know, divest, like, fan speculation online with any kind of, like, real inside info. But that that's definitely interesting. I mean, Margot Robbie and Adam Driver are definitely two of those kind of higher-profile genre actors who... People are being like, oh, I wonder if or when they'll get an MCU role, so that'd be cool. And those are definitely some of the more, you know, the Fantastic Four in general, right, are, are some of the biggest roles um, that they're going to need filled in the, you know, near future here of the MCU, right? Like, those should be really kind of big characters going forward. Um, so it'll be cool if, it, uh, if that's the case. There's been a, quite a bit said about, like, oh, you know, Adam Driver, Margot Robbie, these other guys, like, if they get cast, you know, is it going to kind of lock them in? And well, I suppose that's, you know, a somewhat valid concern. I I also don't think that's really been the case with a lot of MCU actors. Um, there's no doubt it's a lot of work, and in certain cases, they're working on movies for a long time, and, and you can end up doing a couple back-to-back kind of thing. But also, I mean, it's very rare that, like, the same actor appears in multiple projects in a row, right? Or even in adjoining years. I mean, I, I still think you get kind of plenty of time off to do what you want. I guess as an actor, I mean, I don't really don't know how it works for these people, but you know, if you're worried about Adam Driver not being able to do anything smaller in scale, I wouldn't because I mean, you look at a lot of his filmography and he managed to get stuff in and around the, you know, the Star Wars sequels and stuff. So I wouldn't think it's really a big concern. And I think a lot of these, you know, a lot of the MCU and even the DC actors have shown that that's more than, you know, doable is to, to get other movies in between. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, you know, I like Adam Driver a lot, like Margot Robbie. Um, David Diggs, I've not seen much of outside of, obviously I'm familiar with his work on Hamilton. And um, Paul Mescal there, I I'm, I'm, don't think I've really seen in much of anything. Um, so it'll be cool to see what they uh, what they bring to the, the table for sure. I mean, I think Margot Robbie and um, Adam Driver, again, like are just really solid actors. And obviously we got a soft spot around here for guys who are willing to do, uh, you know, in uh, genre stuff, sci-fi superhero stuff obviously like again adam driver i mean star wars the 65 which we just saw this year obviously margot robbie's no stranger doing these movies so i think it's cool i am um, big fan personally so i, I like when they kind of have that range elizabeth olsen's kind of in that same camp where she bounces from the marvel stuff to some pretty you know um dramatic work so i you know i appreciate that a lot and uh obviously we like our cape shit so this will be uh interesting to see i don't have a particular uh affinity for the Fantastic Four, to be honest. So I guess I, I don't know how people feel about this in terms of like accuracy to the comics. 
you know, you traditionally had uh, picture Adam Driver with the longer hair. I don't know if that's a look they'll keep for him, or if they'll they'll trim it up to be uh, more comic accurate or what. But uh, we will certainly see. I think Margot Robbie definitely has a Sue Storm look to her. Um, and then, I mean, Daffy Diggs. That'll be an interesting one to see how they do the thing transformation in the uh, MCU. All right, next thing I got, uh, The Wheel of Time Season 2 has uh, got an official release date. It's for September. Uh, I think it's September 1st, is it? So, you know, this is something we've kind of been waiting on. We've done, they've been working on it for, well, I mean, almost two years now. You know, if you're a longtime listener, you'll know we covered the first season when it was airing. Um, and it actually, you know, the show itself, we we do owe a bit of debt to because it got us into the books. We, we read the books as a result of the movie coming out like or the show starting rather sorry so in that sense you know got to give it credit there but in terms of an adaptation we are not very big fans of it and i think a lot of people are not similarly so we'll see they've you know put out some some photos and stuff some uh, stills from the upcoming season i mean i guess it's kind of nice when they announce stuff that's only a couple months out but also at the same time i mean Again, we've known this is going to be coming out for almost two years now because that's when the first season aired. So they're doing the same thing that a lot of shows are doing, which is uh, you know, just these long, long breaks between seasons. And something like The Wheel of Time in particular, I don't think will really benefit very much from that if any show can. Uh, this show in particular, I think, I think it could have some uh, problems down the stream. Basically, I mean, the thing is, they covered essentially really only the first book in the first season, and you know, it's a fourteen book series you know, it's it's about young adults. There's not a lot of time covered in the books themselves, right? So if you have your actors aging, you know, a year and a half between each season, it's going to catch up pretty quickly, I feel, um, to where you have, you know, m- m- young adults uh, that are being played by, you know, 30 plus year olds. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's really concerning anyone else. I know I get obsessed about like ages and timelines and things like that, but it just seems like it, it seems like they're gonna have to compress it basically pretty quickly and 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 soon. I think like this season is gonna have to cover a lot of ground and it'll probably set the sort of pace for the show going forward. At this point, I'm fairly certain that it doesn't have the goodwill and just like the general kind of I don't know excitement around it unless it turns things around in these in the next couple seasons to like I don't know if it has the staying power to finish the whole thing. I mean, again, at this point, like it's gonna take them. Even even if they do half as many seasons as there are books, you know, they're going to be making this show for the next decade. So I don't know. We will see. There's not a lot of streaming era shows that have really there's not been enough time for like the streaming era shows to last this long. And uh, yeah, I mean, something as huge of scale as this is going to be a it's going to be a struggle. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, generally, I'm going to have to say not super excited, but we'll you know, we'll watch it. We'll cover it when it comes out. We'll see. Uh, see how it goes there. A um, couple more Star Wars things. Ubisoft, who's been making a Star Wars game for, we've known about two years now, they've been working on an open world Star Wars game. Um, it's been rumored this week that that's actually going to come out uh, early next year, which is kind of a surprising timeline for some people, just because we haven't heard much of it since then. Now, I guess we have no way of knowing really how far in development it was two years ago. And then, you know, obviously it's got a, almost, you know, six or a little more like eight, maybe even we'll say, depending on when it comes out next year, uh, months left in development. That seems like a fairly reasonable timeline to get a game out. Again, we have no way of knowing how much they had in, you know, in the can, so to speak, before they announced it. So, but, um, yeah, I mean, you look at Jedi Survivor was like a four four year turnaround, so it's still doable in the current day, I guess. Um, but yeah, this is exciting. If only just to get more Star Wars games. I mean, there's lots of people who have their own problems with the sort of the quote unquote Ubisoft style of game. Um, they do have a definitely something of a blueprint that they fall into for a lot of games. But I personally am kind of a fan of that. Um, I've played like every Assassin's Creed. Um, you know, it's probably probably up there as my favorite gaming series in general. So. You know, I'm clearly not uh, one of the haters kind of thing. I've not played much Far Cry, but they all kind of fall into a similar pattern, right? Far Cry's and, um, again, Assassin's Creed, Watch Dogs, stuff like that. So if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. And this Star Wars, you know, branding of it is going to, I guess, you know, redeem it or I guess not be enough to redeem it in certain people's eyes, depending on just how much you like Star Wars and how much you hate the (laughs) Ubisoft style of thing. But to me, it's kind of a win-win, so... Very excited, and again, to me, that's not that surprising. Just in the te- in the in the sense that a lot of games nowadays kind of follow this, which I think is the 
I think it's the better sort of way to go is wait until you're relatively close to having something to put out to announce it so that people aren't like sitting around waiting for too long. I think the best example I can think of this is Fallout 4, which kind of didn't release any marketing whatsoever until June at E3, and it came out like November of that year, right? So that's what, like a four-month turnaround from like the first trailer to you know, hitting shelves. And that is a sort of a way to generate even more hype, right? I think there's there's probably a science to this all. And it's like all, all this stuff we talk about where I like to think that the people who actually do it for their, you know, their living, no. <laughs> but um, it's not necessarily always the case. But yeah, you, you the kind of other end of that spectrum is also a Bethesda game, which is um, the next Elder Scrolls game, which has been teased for, I don't know, three plus years now already. And kind of is just endlessly on the horizon right like there's no telling if it'll come out within i don't know this decade (laughs) like maybe that's extreme but that's kind of the general consensus is like is it even going to make this generation kind of thing there's just no rumblings now maybe they're going to do a similar a similar thing where they just surprise announce it but yeah teasing games like that which is a, a lot of games have done similar things right um cyberpunk 2077 had a similar thing going where they they just kind of kept pushing it off but they would tease it like hey we're still going and, and you just get these little like nothing um teasers and and stuff just years and years in advance uh you could say the same thing frankly about star wars eclipse right which was a trailer that was put out with virtually no actual work done on the game itself it was just a cinematic that was cooked up to kind of generate hype and interest you know almost to sell the game to um you know to everyone as much as to players so but yeah if it really is a right around the corner, that'd be exciting. It'd be cool to see when it's set. I think I have a guess <laughs> if previous stuff has been any indication, but maybe they'll surprise us and it'll be set somewhere new and exciting. But yeah, I got a, I got a lot of, you know, I guess I, I gotta say I'm pretty optimistic about this overall. Um, in the same way that Jedi Survivor, again, maybe isn't a perfect game in the traditional sense, but I think it, you know, me personally, because of my enjoyment of Star Wars, it, it really carries it to maybe higher um esteem that it deserves i think a similar thing could happen with this so but again that's all just pure rumor so i've just kind of rambled about something that may not even end up being true but regardless let's actually i'll probably segue right into talking about jedi survivor just a little bit i won't cover any spoilery stuff um for anyone else or even jack's sake who has not finished it yet but i did finish it uh this week it's been about just about now a month i think it it uh, turned over recently since it came out and i've finished it i'm well on my way i'm actually really really close to to 100%ing it in fact um and yeah it's just great i mean again not spoiler about the story cuz that's something i'd like to get into more in depth when we've both um finished it but you know speaking on it generally like i think the story is great i think it has similar heights to uh jedi fallen order and uh maybe I don't know, maybe even higher. Like, it's it's really good. I, one of my concerns was it seemed like the gameplay of this was uh, kind of turned up to 11 from Survivor in most ways, but I wasn't so certain about the story. Um, just just because I liked the story of Fallen Order so much, I didn't know if they could live up to it. And I think in a lot of ways they did. Um, there's a couple things I'm not, like, over the moon about, but it, ultimately they'd be just, just be getting kind of nitpicky. I think in general... They have shown, uh, again, with this one that Respawn, really, they know what they're doing with Star Wars um, as a license, I think, and with sort of the, you know, telling stories about Jedi in particular, which is always the stuff I uh, I really like in Star Wars. I think those are my favorite stories, are the ones around Jedi generally, so really big fan of that. Um, the gameplay in general, we, we talked about this pretty, we went into it pretty well when it came out, um, and most of that remains the same. Um, it's really good. It's turned up to 11. The new abilities you do get in this one, I really enjoyed. Um, at first I was like, oh, do these really, you know, are they going to mesh well with everything else? And, uh, you know, I, if I had one sort of thing to levy against it, it's that, especially on the harder difficulties, there's kind of so much going on with your abilities and, um, it's sometimes hard to actually make effective use of them. Um, because the enemy aggro is turned up when you're playing on Jedi, you know, Master and, and Grandmaster, it's sometimes difficult to make effective use of them. And just in general, this is a problem that a lot of games I find have with these big spread out skill trees to an extent is that you just, you kind of forget the the number of different like abilities and, and button combos that you have to make use of everything. But um, that's not, I guess that's not really a problem. It's just kind of something you got to keep in mind because um, I definitely found, you know, at times during my gameplay that uh, I was like, oh, I kind of forgot I could do that and haven't been doing it for quite a while now. <laughs> but uh in general, yeah, I think the new abilities are good. 
they add a lot to it. I mean, even the mind trick, which is something I neglected for a good portion of my playthrough. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's a natural inclusion, right? So um, in general, yeah, just really good. Like I said, I, again, I won't go too far into it, but the exploration, the gameplay, the, the combat, I think is good. I know it's one of the complaints that it's not really super refined, maybe compared to something like um, an actual FromSoft release. And that might be true, uh, but I do think as like a sort of dumbed down version of it for more like mass appeal, I think that's fine and I think it works. You know, I do think that there has been stuff said about like this game has the same problem that people levy against like uh, The Force Unleashed, which is that your lightsaber isn't effective enough. I understand that to an extent. Um, I will say there's a perk that you can get in New Game Plus, which makes um, combat basically very realistic. It's basically the, um, it's kind of like the realistic lightsaber combat cheat from uh, Jedi Outcast, which is just everything is pretty much a one hit. So if you're really going for that, now it also makes you more easily killed as well. So it's it's something you have to um, take note of. But it's kind of fun. I, I gotta say, like, I think in general, there's an, a big enough mix of enemies in this game where you have a lot of the sort of cannon fodder stuff, right? Like when you're fighting the Empire, it's the general uh, low-level stormtroopers and scout troopers and stuff. And when you're fighting the raiders, it's the, the B1s. Where they do go down easy, no matter what difficulty you're playing on, no matter what stage of the game you're in, they're all one-shots. So the fact that they mix in as the game goes on, like harder and harder enemies, I think is fine. I mean, ultimately, it is still a video game that, you know, needs to consider gameplay. I I can't imagine that many people really want a game where they truly don't have to try at all because they can just one-shot everything. I mean, I get that in the interest of pure realism, that makes sense, but I just don't know if that's sound gameplay-wise. But hey, teach their own, I guess. But I said, I will try to uh, make sure Jack finishes that in a relatively timely manner and we get to talk about it sooner or later um, because there's some story stuff I'd really like to get into. But uh, uh, next thing I got, also Star Wars-based, Tamir Morrison is rumored to be appearing in Ahsoka as Rex. Um, This is another one where I don't know quite how reputable this is, but hey, man, I mean... That's exciting. If so, it's obviously like a really straightforward, (laughs) easy casting, which is live action clone. Who's going to play him? Obviously, Tamira. Um, He also is more or less age appropriate in the sense that they would have to age him up uh, actually to play Rex in this time period. Um, I think if you get into the specifics, Rex should be old as shit, like almost 90, uh, depending on how the aging works explicitly. But I think it's a thing that they're kind of they can probably fudge the numbers on a little bit. I mean, that's kind of what they've done with Bo-Katan and stuff. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, that would be very interesting if true. Uh, you know, we've already seen him reprise his role as the clone troopers last year in Obi-Wan Kenobi. So it would be uh, kind of the follow-up of that. And obviously we've seen him, you know, more prominently as Boba Fett lately. So he's made his return in a big way. Uh, this is, yeah, definitely a natural kind of evolution. And I mean, the clones is... Honestly, I think the role that he's done the most of in terms of um, some voice acting stuff in the video games and things, and obviously he's the clones in episode two and three. So uh, it's kind of a natural thing. And I mean, there's been people saying like, there's, there's lots of discussion about, you know, the clones in the movies versus the show. And frankly, even with uh, Anakin as well in the Clone Wars and stuff, I think it's mostly people just being kind of angsty on, on Twitter as people are known to do. But I think there is something maybe in particular about Rex, which is that he is not a character that was ever portrayed in live action, right? He's a character that was originated purely in animation and has yet to make the jump. Whereas even someone like Cody, for example, was in the movies first, right? Um, But this is a character, you know, in Rex that has only ever been portrayed by D. Bradley Baker um, as a, you know, as the voice of the the animated version. So it's definitely different in that that way. Um, But I, I certainly think it's something that Tamara could pull off. So that'll be uh, cool to see. And uh, like I said, I mean, that's another one where I'm not sure of the, the validity of that one, but that's one we will certainly know the answer to sooner rather than later at this point. I think the last thing I'll end it up here with, I think I've, I've already gone a little bit longer than I was anticipating, but that's all right, is uh, the um, first two Sanderson, uh, Brandon Sanderson uh, secret project books that came out. Now, I'm just going to talk about these real generally just because um, I've finished the first two of them. Jack has not yet. Again, I won't spoil anything explicitly, but I just thought it'd be fun to talk about. Um, they're both quite good, as you <laughs> might imagine. Um, I don't think it should be a surprise coming from me. I've talked pretty pretty extensively on the pod at different points about all the, the Sanderson books I've read and how fond I am of most of them. So, again, this shouldn't really be a surprise. The first one, uh, Tress of the Emerald Sea, 
is uh, really, really solid as just a standalone novel. It's maybe a little bit more, just a tad more whimsical, fantastical than some of his other things. Um, although it kind of, I would say it loses that. Uh, when you are first reading it, the first chapter or two, it has a, a very fairy tale like quality to it almost. Um, and I think that's, it's, not even I think, it's it's very much deliberate. He's talked about how one of his big inspirations for this was the Princess Diary and stuff. Um, but I think once you get deeper into it, it becomes more standard Sanderson fare, which is fine because that's obviously what I like. But, you know, it is a, a more kind of like maybe, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, sweet, like whimsical kind of story. It um it doesn't necessarily have some of the perhaps like darkness, uh, grimness that some of his other books do. Not that he's a particularly grim fantasy author, but it's just overall, it's definitely a lighter one in tone. Um, but it still has a lot of the great, you know, Sanderson world building and magic and stuff, which, you know, is what people have come to uh, love him for. So it's really great. I think it honestly works super well, actually, as an introduction to the whole Cosmere, which is what I told Jack. So I'm excited to, to have him uh, finally get to it is he's not read any of the Cosmere yet. So this will actually likely be his first intro. And um, I think the fun thing about it is it has both in that I think, you know, certain fans have kind of overestimated that, right? Because as a as a fan, you pick up on all the uh, sort of references and, and the things sprinkled throughout, right? And so you read the book and you say, man, there's a lot of like tie-ins to this. I don't know if this, you know, makes sense. But I think in reality, the tie-ins that it does have are so sort of generic that someone reading through it the first time wouldn't get hung up on them um, as much as they would just kind of like, you know, put them in the back of your head or like, okay, that, you know, whatever. There's tons of references. I guess what I'm saying is that they're, they're more so like, you know, set dressing. They're, they're there for the fans to pick up on, but they're not essential to the understanding of the plot. So I don't think anyone who didn't pick up on the references would be necessarily confused by this, but the people who would, you know, would just have the, the book be a little bit enriched uh, for them by that much. So I think that, like Jack, for example, will be able to to really get it. Um, again, most of what they need to get. And then what I think is interesting about it is that after you finish the Cosmere, you could kind of circle right back and you would be able to pick up, pick up on it all. So um, he has said in general, though, Brain Ascension, that going forward, he's going to uh, be, you know, more heavily kind of peppering in that stuff uh, that, you know, he's building towards whatever culmination it's all going to be um, sooner or later. So. I think the, the kind of logic is that there's enough, you know, standalone novels or even like the first Mistborn trilogy or whatever. There's there's a lot of stories out there that he's put out that you could use as your introduction, right? So he doesn't really feel the need to keep making introductory stories at a certain point because they're out there. So, you know, sooner or later, he's just kind of, and I think he's, he said basically right around now is where he's kind of going gloves off in terms of like, he's going to put in the references. If you want to keep up, you kind of have to. Um you know, be be read up on a lot of it. Again, I don't think that's quite this one yet, uh, but it's getting there. And then the second one is the, uh, what is it? The Frugal Wizard's Guide to Medieval England. I think that's the full title. It's something very close to that. Um, this one is uh, completely, or I shouldn't say that. It's not completely uh, standalone, actually. It is separate from the Cosmere, which is the bulk of his work, but I think it exists in the same universe as his Alcatraz series, which are, I think, middle grade kind of books. So I've not read those ones yet personally, but maybe I'll get to them. Um, but yeah, it's it's fit, it's it's set in that same universe, but not really very connected. Um, but this is, yeah, it's kind of exactly what it sounds like. Well, actually, it's, it's basically takes place in the future where um, interdimensional sort of travel has been like perfected to the extent that you can jump to different dimensions at will that are, you know, specifically uh, sort of designated. And the idea is that there's this company, which um, you can, you know, pay for, um, get escapes, basically little vacations, if you will, to these different uh, universes where through a um, very well <laughs> thought out and explained contrivance um, are timelines that despite, or a universe rather, that despite not taking place in a different timeline, right, you're not traveling through time, you're just traveling through dimension um are very close facsimiles to medieval england and that's kind of the premise is that this guy finds himself there and it's your classic amnesia um sort of trope where he doesn't remember how or why and you have to sort of piece it all together as the story goes along um but yeah also very good i would say again standalone doesn't really connect to anything else that that one requires no exterior kind of reading at all 
Um, it's another one. I don't know if I said this, but uh, Tress has a, a, a definitely like romance kind of focus that a number of his books do not as much. There's usually some romance in, I think, everyone that I've read to a greater or lesser extent. But in Tress, it's kind of a focus. In this one, it's also kind of a focus. Um, and he said, you know, again, if you're familiar with the whole sort of timeline of these projects, that these first two in particular were both written as gifts to his wife. So I, I think that kind of checks out that they have a, a romance element to them. Uh, but yeah, also really good. It's got a lot of heart in, you know, a way a lot of his books do, where it's it's about characters. Um, that's the thing I think everyone agrees that he probably does best of almost anything. I mean, it's it's either his world building or his characters, right? Which are two good things to be good at as a fantasy author. Um, but yeah, there's the there's some really good like emotional kind of moments with these characters, and, and again, the growth kind of thing, the the stormlight type of stuff that I really enjoy, which is characters like having some genuine sort of introspective introspection, whatever, and becoming better and, and stuff. I like that. And uh, there's some of that, which again, I, I've said before, like maybe it's a little on the nose, but I think I'm okay with that. Um, so I think with that, I will uh, probably call it a wrap in terms of my little news stuff. Um, next week when Jack's back, you know, we will definitely have our normal sort of topics to pick up on which is going to be the last two episodes of dave and barry which from what i've seen so far good stuff on both counts so that'll be fun and then we're also going to see um into the spider-verse obviously or rather across the spider-verse this week we will be able to talk about that uh we'll have that for you next week so the little segment that i alluded to previously is something we recorded last week that we decided to kind of shuffle around here um, one, because it's a bit of an oddball segment, and I don't know how much uh, mileage we're really going to get out of it. But two, obviously we needed something. I could not, unfortunately, wrangle up a, a guest or anything for, for this week, which I'm sure Jack is uh, greatly disappointed in me for. But we'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, this this is our kind of plan B. So what it is, is that me and Jack um, sat down and we, we did a tier list, uh, like the classic sort of format that you've seen for... The ponchos in Star Wars, I, I got together a fairly comprehensive uh, collection of all the different ponchos in Star Wars, and we just spun our uh, spun our wheels and talked about it for maybe maybe a little too long. I'll let you be the judge. But, um, you know, because it is so heavily based on the visuals of the ponchos, I uh, recorded, or screen recorded at least, the my, my screen as we were doing it. And so I'm going to take that video and take the audio that we recorded and put it up on our YouTube actually, which I will make sure to link in the uh, description of this one. So if you want to click over there and, and see it, I think we're also going to post the final sort of result of it up on our Instagram, if you're curious, maybe with a couple of the notable ponchos. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll say the video didn't come out perfectly. I mean, I kind of threw it together on short notice. So like the, um, the, the images get kind of smushed in a way uh, by the by the tier list site itself. So it looks a little wonky, but um, yeah, in general. If uh, if you feel like you need a little bit more of our content in your life this week, that's that's what you, that's basically all I can offer you. <laughs> so uh, basically, it's gonna play here and in this normal feed. Or again, like I said, you can switch over to the um, video version if you want. But after that plays, I'm gonna come back to the normal outro and um, be good to go for this week. So without further ado, let's ack attack over to that. Your secret topic. It's our second and final mystery topic. Woo! The most special one. So we're gonna try try to do something a little special. We'll see how effective this all proves. Um, but if it all works out like I would like, I might end up putting a uh, putting like a YouTube video, basically footage of this on on the YouTube. Although I don't, I'm not much of a video editor, so I'd have to really. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Worst comes to worst, I'll just end up putting some. We'll put some pictures on. The Instagram. The Instagram. It'll be our first YouTube video on the channel since episode 14 when Podbean stopped uploading the files for whatever reason. We can, One day we might go back and put all, what is that, 84 episodes? Unlikely, but... Unlikely. Unless we both were doing it at once or hired someone to do it, which... I suppose we technically could, Jack. Technically. We're good? We're recording? We are recording. I've got, so a, little, what it is. I've got a little TV in front of me, which is great. If you go on the Instagram, you'll see the little picture I got. It's incredible. I actually just did it as a joke earlier, and now I realize it's, it's going to be very effective for this, though. This absolutely is nece almost necessary, because my initial plan, we'll see. But so we're doing just a b bit of a fun thing, because we didn't have much to talk about this week. Although we ended up going for quite a bit anyways, but... We always do. That's fine. 
Don't look at the it'll time still code. Be, it'll Don't still look be. how much time's left. Sorry. Also, that's going to be in the video now if I end up doing that. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. We'll see. That's how we run the show. Um, What's the title? Uh, Let's get the title. <laughs> it's, it's Star Wars Ponchos. We're doing a Star Wars Ponchos tier list just for fun. Woo! I don't know how much it's come up on the show before, but I'm a big poncho guy. Um, I genuinely believe in them as a as a article of clothing, as a garment. I think they're, they're we'll good. We'll not stop talking about ponchos. I'm a big fan. I got a few. Um, I really do think they're an effective uh, piece of uh, a few good ponchos. body wear. Yeah, yeah. Good poncho. Um, this is a this is an audio medium. You can put. Well, it that was just for you and me, but it's not a poncho. I forgot. Oh. I thought I had a poncho down here. I actually ordered for the 40th anniversary of uh, Jedi. They put out a an actual like uh, Endor poncho costume piece that you can get. I ordered it. I uh, did not get here in time though. Oh, I was hoping maybe in time when we could put it. I could put it on, do the whole thing again. That's just for you and me because it's a. This is an audio medium. Yeah. But here it is. Jack. I digress. We're gonna do it. Right. Lots of, it turns out, I don't know if you were aware, but there is lots of star, uh, ponchos in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. They've been accruing for a while. I mean, there's, you know, as we'll, as you'll see here, it's it's across all the eras, all the spectrums, but it just it reached a head recently. Where I was like, let's talk about some ponchos on the show. Okay. I've had this list running for a bit, and I'm I'm, I'm ready to pull the trigger on it. So I figured these aren't going to be in any particular order, but let's start with uh, just the first one, just because. Oh, that's why you were showing the clips of the Clone Wars. I guess I was trying to get some oh. good images of it, but it's so it's so hard to capture unless you're pirating shit. Basically, actually trying to watch it through official channels and get screenshots. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I guess it's to prevent pirating so that you can't just screen record your fucking iPad while it plays fucking Clone Wars or something. But I don't know why you can't take screen. I'll never understand why Netflix and Disney Plus and stuff won't let you take fucking pictures. It's the goofiest shit. You already paid for it. You already paid for it. It's so lame because I used to, you know what I used to be able to do on, on the Disney XD app, which is how I used to watch Star Wars Rebels because that's what it aired on back in the day, right? I would take screenshots of shit from that all the time. It's no problem. But it's all of a sudden, it's like I can't get a picture of anything. I got to find someone who did it years ago on this. Whatever. I digress. So let's start with the first one, though. Is is the first ever appearance of a poncho in Star Wars. Episode 4, we got Luke here, right? Yeah. Now, these pictures are kind of tiny, so. It is small. If you need, um. I can pull up the iPad and show you some, but in episode four, Luke rocks a poncho in a couple key scenes. This one here, um, again, I don't know where you can see, but he's actually got the complete fit. He's rocking the bucket hat. I see the, and the bucket goggles, hat. Um, which I think is a pretty solid look overall. Can I get the iPad that I want a little sure. closer, so I can get a little closer, I believe. Don't go scrolling too far now. So be careful. I want to scroll through the images now. I want to find some Jack. It'd be fun to do it live on air. Think you can look at Luke. Oh, here we go. This is a mu- oh, this. Uh, well, this after is, that. Okay, I'll just because it starts. I yeah, it starts with. Okay, no, I'm just seeing where it ends. Okay. All right, so this is, I like the bucket hat with the, the goggles. The, I think it's it's kind of fun. It's a fun look. It's an underappreciated Luke look. I think people forget that Luke rocks the poncho quite a bit with the farm boy appearance. Now he never let once they leave. Oh no, actually, I think when after Obi Wan dies and Leia like comforts him on the Falcon, I think she like drapes it around him so he's got that going for him mm-hmm. when they go looking for r2 he wears it he wears it in most eisley right. he's, he's rocking it a couple times throughout the thing um and again the bucket hat goggles is is kind of fun it's a bit goofy but it's good i will say though i don't uh prefer there's too much of his uh actual shirt showing at the top so <laughs> okay, triangle okay. there well so there's a couple things we got to cover right i think is well, one, in the, in any of these instances, I try to narrow it down, right, to, to truly ponchos because if you just go, like, any kind of vague covering, right, there's lots of cloaks in Star Wars, you can really blow it out. So I try to keep it strict yeah. to ponchos. So if there's anything that deviates from here enough, you, you let me know. I think maybe I got a couple, but I threw them in anyways. But we'll yeah, see. we'll see. But so I think the criteria we got to deal with here, Jack, well, what is it? I think um, it's a combination of function and style, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no sleeves. Form and fashion? Well, no, no sleeves. There, I'm, I just mean, like, how are we? How are we ranking the? Oh, punctures? okay. I, yeah, I think I think form and function. So, like, if it's got a nice style, like nice colored mm-hmm. pattern, and then how how good is it for the situation that it is? In? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, for this, I'm saying it's found on both fronts. Uh, you th- whoa, 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 whoa! I'm thinking the it's color. The color. Well, no, it's a very simplistic one. Yeah, it's not the most impressive by Bush. Yeah. I, see, I can't see, Seeing this list here, I'm I'm already picking out what I'm putting near the top, and this is I'll say it's C tier. I think that's probably fair. I think, yeah, and, and we'll reserve judgment here. We'll reserve the right to move around as we see fit. Yeah. But yeah, I think C's is fine. Maybe I mean, you know, he's living in the desert. That's why he has it, right? Right. And for that function, it works. You know, it's pro- it's promoting like airflow and stuff. Um, I think it's a practical garment for the situation, but it's very unimpressive. And I think that's a trend we're going to see with quite a few of these. All right. Um. So unimpressive. I mean, again, I like the fit. 
Mm-hmm. I do Absolutely. appreciate the goggles and everything. It's a fun look. You know, he's often seen in this outfit sporting uh, the the cycler rifle. He's just, you know he's got a gun, which of is kind of cool. But yeah, I kind of agree. I think compared to some of what we got here, it's that's a fair thing. So what do you got next, Jan? Uh, next is uh, Django Fett. So Django Fett down here. I think this is actually a pretty classy one. It's simple. I like over the top of the armor is a cool look. Yeah, it's um, nice blue. It's nice blue, and this is he's wearing it on Camino. It's just he need he needed a waterproof thing. It's pretty good. Um, I'll put it in B. I think I think a B tier is fine for that. Moving on, we got uh, Luke on Endor. Luke on Endor. Now this is a cool one. So definitely more form, more function. Excuse me. I would say it's entirely function, but also it's it's not a waterproof type thing, right? Mm. So it's not like the the Django one we just did. This is like a camouflage peer option and I, and I think for Luke in particular as well in this movie they they probably were like at one point in the costume design like well he's wearing all black if he's going to be on the Endor mission oh, we need something to camo him we don't want to give him an actual costume change so we'll just put a poncho and a helmet on him mm. I don't know I think it works I mean it's, it's like effective it's, for what it is this one's kind of got like a hood function here it does have a got, hood got it got does a have a hood hood's going to be you know we're going to be about 50-50 on hoods throughout I think uh, that was good for a hood. Um, but yeah, it's just about breaking up the, uh, you know, breaking up the silhouette like camouflage does, and it's camo. I mean, it's pretty simplistic. This is one of those things where, like, yeah, that looks like a prop from the '80s. I would say <laughs> looks like, like a sheet they just kind of spray painted a couple splotches on. Yeah, I'd say put them in C tier above the first Luke. You think so? Yeah, I think, I think those it's... are both C tier, huh? Well, we I, mean, might... I, I think I, I would, I would put them more B. I like this one better. I definitely think it's okay, a tier we can, above. You we can know, go with that. I think it's a kind of iconic one. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see we'll as see. we go along. So next we have Anakin, Episode Two. This is another one, like Luke, Not in Episode Two. Pretty simplistic, pretty right? Simplistic. Not much to it. I mean, the whole point is that he's supposed to be on a pretending is... to be in. No, he's supposed to be a refugee. Oh, and like this... in disguise. Mm-hmm. This is like a disguise for for this section of the movie. So there's really not much to it. It's completely unadorned. Again, he's supposed to look like a peasant. Right. So I don't know. Um. Not much to it. I think this easily is C, if not D tier, because yeah. I think the whole fit. Let's start with D. I think the whole fit isn't isn't up to the Luke standard. And again, he's not even he's not even in the desert. Yeah. I think he has it maybe still in the when he goes to the desert later. I don't remember exactly, but yeah, there's just nice, just completely when he, unimpressive. When he slaughters them like animals. Yeah, one of the most unimpressive ones on the whole thing. All right, next we have Padme. So this is one where I'm I'm questionable. It's got sleeves. It does kind of have sleeves, right? A lot of people refer to it as ponchos. I, I've added the not applicable tier here in case we we needed to throw any of these out completely. I I'm, don't know. I'm thinking because like let me let me see it. It's got kind of like a low. It's like a really deep V cut. It's got sleeves. Yeah. So my thing with a poncho, I feel like it should be basically open on the sides. Should be like a tarp you cut a hole in for your the, head. Basically, it's just a it's basically square, rectangular, and it's just over the top. It drapes down the front, it drapes down the back, the sides are open. This one doesn't really fit much of that. But again, everyone colloquially calls it her blue poncho from episode two, so I don't know who came up with that or what, but I... I think they're wrong. I mean, we, yeah. I like the be... designs. The designs are nice. They give me a kind Oh, it's of... nice. Look, I mean, Padme's always wearing cool clothes, but yeah, in terms know. of being a poncho... N.A. I think it's N.A. I agree. Next we got Qui-Gon Jinn, episode one. This one? Yeah. Another one, very simplistic. I very mean, simplistic. It's got the nice border design. It does have a little here. bit more border than Anakin. I th- see. I don't know if Anakin's has it or not, but um, in Episode Two. But yeah, I mean, this is a very similar vein as these other two right here, the other Tatooine fellows. So I don't know. You know, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, in in this movie, it serves the function of um, disguising Qui Gon mm-hmm. as not a Jedi is the main thing. I mean, again, it's also I guess practical in the sense that Ponchos might be in a desert. But in general, it's not it's not doing much. Again, it's more to break up his to to hide his clothing, I think, as much as anything. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I don't know. This could be another probably D C or D tier. I'd put it in C below Luke. As much as I as I like Qui Gon, I don't think it's this was a fumble. Yeah. <laughs> Next we have um, action figure Anakin Poncho. Yeah. So this is I tried to find it. He wears it in the Clone Wars a couple times, including in the film, but I couldn't find a good picture of this, so I just went the Clone Wars. It's a picture of. The action figure of that thing. Um, I'd say just slap it in with the other Anakin and D. I don't think there's much to say there. That's Sim- fine. I mean, it's uh, simple. The, the, the thing I would give this one, it does have a little bit of a border. It looks like a dish towel on him. Sure. I mean, again, it is a poncho. It's a poncho. big rectangle. That's going to happen. And this one, he wears his, you know, his, you know, general Jedi armor, armor under it, which I think is all kind of cool. So I think, again, in, the com- in terms of the complete fit, I would probably be more inclined to put it up here. 
If anything, I could almost say we swap with Qui-Gon. Okay. Well, I know that. Put, put Qui-Gon down one. I'd swap Qui-Gon with it. Yeah. Like yeah, that. there we go. All right. Next one we have Princess Leia. Endor. Endor. Endor Leia. Endor Leia. So I think, I mean, obviously, pretty much everything we said about Luke, Luke is going to apply to Leia, except I think Leia, the, again, the whole fit, I think, works better. The helmet because, looks good, the white pants. Yeah. She's wearing more practical, like, military garb, whereas he's just wearing his black, you know, whatever Jedi outfit with the, the poncho over the top, which is kind of, you know, kind of works, but I also think Leia's, the whole ensemble works better. I also think um, Leia's got a pouch. She's got a holster for her blaster. Mm. I think that's very practical. I think I think the whole look, she, she just pulls it off better as an actual commando. Yeah, I'd say, actually we put in B above Luke's. You think B above Luke's? I, I'm almost inclined to put a tier above, but we, we can leave it there for we'll now. Leave it there. We'll, we'll, we can rearrange. Next we have Cal Kestis. Which one? The, the first this one. This guy? That guy. Is, he the, is that from Fallen Order? Yeah, they're all from Fallen Order. Um, okay, this first one. So I have three. Here, do I have three? Two or three guys, at least two or three cows. I think you have two cows. Okay. Let's see here. Um, mostly just because, like, I'm seeing two. Really, cows. it's one poncho technically in the game. It's just different cosmetics. Um, I don't know. This is kind of maybe what spurred the, uh, I think, the poncho sort of resurgence in Star Wars, mm-hmm. in, in in terms of fan recognition, being like, look at all the ponchos, um, because it's one of his primary things, especially in the first game. The only thing you can change is the color of his jumpsuit and the color of his poncho. People really latched onto it. The pink one, in particular, has become something iconic. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, I think, uh, I think this has got to be towards the top, just in terms of, uh, again, overall fame impact at this point. So He's probably one of the most fa- famous poncho wearers in Star Wars. Oh yeah, and for I sure. think, yeah, the different options. Like this one, I think is pretty nice looking. It's got the designs on it. I think it's a good cut. I think he pulls it off well. Like I like the strapping and stuff over mm-hmm. top. You know, I like the patterns on it. A little bit of Star Wars detail. So I- I'm inclined to say A tier, Jack. I'm, I would agree with that. So I'm just do the pink one next. Oh, uh, next one we have um, Bo-Katan. But we can we can do Cal again. So I think I accidentally put Bo-Katan in here twice, but yeah, the point stands. It's the same one. Uh, I like the hood. The hood, honestly, I think puts it in A for this me. This is really least. cool. So we've got the border around the hood. It's like a bluish border around the hood and the and the general uh, poncho of it all. General poncho. Yep. And then the hood being up. She's one of the only characters we have on here who's who's rocking the hood up. Um, yeah. At any point, with the little tracker down, because you can't put it up. Because I think it's all very cool. Again, I think in terms of the whole ensemble, it works really sweet. It's just cool being a Mandalorian with a with a poncho on. I think. Oh, absolutely. Just you, you're packing all the heat and everything. She's got her gauntlets still, obviously. She, you know, again, it's very similar to Django, but I think with the hood and the helmet on, adds another level to it. Absolutely. So, what are we thinking? I'm thinking, I'm thinking A, if not all right. S. All right, I'm thinking uh, we'll put it in A for now. We'll see. Yeah, we won't, that's not going to crazy. Later. Next, we have Ahsoka. I'll just put this one down here because we yeah. got two. Ahsoka. So this is Clone Wars Ahsoka. She has a couple different ones. I think basically in one of the episodes, she wears one that's pretty much identical to this other Anakin one, but I just mm-hmm. went with this one um, because it's got a little bit of design to it. Again, this is kind of just a, a necessary inclusion just to round out the list. You know, I couldn't neglect it, but uh, again, it's in the same as this kind of just, it's just a brownish thing. Again, it's just to hide her, th- really, right? It's, it's yeah. supposed to be like a... To conceal her identity. We're not Jedi. We're just we're just wandering around. But, um, yeah, I think it's fine. Again, it's got a little bit of detail to it. On I the think... borders, which is fine. So I would probably lean C with C, the rest of Yeah, them. probably top of C above Luke. No, I'm going to put it under Luke because she doesn't got the goggles to back it That's up. That's true. The goggles and the hair really bring it together for Luke. <laughs> Alright, next we have my boy Plo Koon. Alright, so this is one where I was on the on the... Borderline here of whether or not it actually qualifies. It's kind of a cloak. It's I think it's kind of a cloak, but I just wanted to include it because mm. Plo Koon and, and everything. But I think I think we've got to show. Him, I think we've got to be consistent. If we're gonna be about it. We gotta be, gotta be consistent. About it. I agree because it's it is. Look at this picture. He's just wearing a big cloak. Yeah, he opens. It opens in the front. It's a cloak. Like Again, a there's many cloaks in Star Wars, and and there's a lot of erroneous claims about them being ponchos. ponchos. People will say, "Oh, look at." Ahsoka's wearing a poncho in this scene. And then I, I kill him with my hands. It's a specific thing, okay? I think it's it's notable. For sure. Okay, moving on, we have Pokotan again. Uh, and we have, ooh, uh, Omega. All right, Omega. Season two of the Bad oh, Batch. That's Omega. In the photo, I thought it was like a short man because <laughs> the way the images work. Yeah, it's, again, it's very, it's a bit simplistic here. But this let's, one's fun. I think it's a very stylish poncho. It's maybe the most stylish oh, one yeah. we've seen thus far. It's very regal. It's got like kind of gold on it and like sort of a triangle shape like a Yeah, it's what she wears on Coruscant when she's hanging out with Rio Chuchi. I don't know. I think this is a really top tier poncho. Um, in terms of function, I guess it's pretty low because it's just a, it's just basically for fashion, right? But mm. 
in terms of form, it's 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 a pretty looking poncho. I think I think it works in front. I think type of A. Okay, I like that, Jack. I think it's a it's again, it's the most like detailed, like stylish looking one we got here, right? Absolutely. We got all kind of colors and and things. Patterns and such. Big fan. Purples Absolutely. and pinks. Uh, next we have Wrecker. Wrecker. So this is a look from season one of the Bad Batch when they're also in disguise pretending to be farmers or whatever. I think this is kind of nice. He's rocking the hat and the bandana. He's rocking the hat and the bandana. It's got buckles on it. It's got buckles like Bo-Katan's. It's like a Star Wars-ified poncho, which I can appreciate. It's got two layers to it, kind of. I like it. I like all of it. I like I, the hat as well. I think it's a good fit. I I agree. It's probably, I don't know. I'd say put it in A. Might right, do some we'll rearranging. It, we, we'll put it. That's we'll no just, right there. Right there. That's good. Right at where was or at about, the end? That behind Cal. All right, all right. Put it there for now. It's a solid poncho, though. Yeah. Solid Next, we stuff. have uh, Captain Rex's poncho. So this is one where I was kind of on the borderline. I couldn't find a good picture from the show, so I went with the action figure. What do we? What do we feel? How? How? Um, well, it seems to. It feels like it's got sleeves because the way it's set up. It feels kind of like it has sleeves, but also like open yeah, like know, a poncho. It's hard to say. It's hard it doesn't to say, have a hood. It? it does have a hood. It does have a hood. I think so. Or at least, again, it's hard to tell. I don't even know if the action figure is completely accurate to the show. Like I said, I just couldn't find a good picture of it. But I don't know. Again, I just felt like I had to bring it in here for discussion, if nothing else. But I don't think it's a poncho. I'm going to make that call. All right. Not a poncho. I can't really strenuously argue that. All right. Next, we have uh, Ray. Ray on on the Octo. Octo. This Uh, is a super solid poncho, I think. I mean, it's very simple, straightforward, just a gray poncho. But it's it's doing its job. I think she's it's using good. it in the rain. It doesn't obscure her legs when walking. It only covers the back. Yeah, it's clothes shorter in the in the front, front than it is in the back. It covers your shirt so she doesn't get wet, but doesn't cover her this legs. This is perhaps my favorite Ray uh, costume in general. Is her it's called her resistance outfit. So I think the whole the whole look is cool. I'm a big fan of this one personally. I, I guess so I'm leaning A if, if if I had to lean in A. Okay, but I could I could be persuaded to B if you don't feel strongly. No, I think we can put it in A. But I think we'll have to move some, with we'll move them around because we got we got a really saturated A tier. That's what I'm saying. Well, okay, we'll we'll, we'll get, get a couple we'll more. Get there, we'll see. Get there. Next, we have the commandos from Gendy Trakovsky's. Yes, the the clones. This is a very iconic one to me. Um, These are cool ponchos. I'd say it's very cool. This is just to me like very representative of that whole series, which is just like just some cool visuals, right? Do clone troopers need to wear ponchos? Probably not. Probably not because this is very much just a for uh function one, right? Yeah. Not even like Bo Katan who's wearing armor, but um, you know, is uh wearing a poncho again as like a disguise. Or Django Fett where he's wearing clo- uh Mandalorian armor, which is different, right? Mm-hmm. It's not quite as coverage. But like clone troopers head to toe armor, they got the body glove and everything. Do they need to wear ponchos? Probably not. Mm-hmm. You would assume it's pretty much waterproof as is, but Maybe Damn if is it not Maybe cool. to hide in the climate. Maybe a red. I mean, it's not red in this particular. It's just no, it's like a muddy situation. They're, you know, well, they're being rained on, and they're all covered. Their boots are all muddy. I think it's just a cool look. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm leaning B. I think B. How about you know, B? I couldn't feel too strong, too too much, 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 much more strongly. Is what I'm saying about uh, just what is essentially a brown poncho, but yeah, it works. I think. Next, we have something that uh, Padme and all in the all white. Yes, yeah, so this is Ilum Padme, also from. The Tartakovsky series. Wearing a cape. Yeah, I guess so. I uh, when I was doing this, I I wrote her down from memory. I recall it being more, cloak more like. poncho like. But no, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty it's, much it's just a, a cloak, cloak cape type scenario. But it's a cool look. Put it in. Fan, a. Yeah. NA has equal amounts as in. It's A-tier. got. It's got to do it on here. Next we have Pink Calcestis. I think this has got to be our first S tier. Frankly, again, it's just for the meme value alone. For the for the iconography. The again, I think it's a yeah. It's got the buckles and the straps and stuff. It's a very Star Warsy looking. Mm-hmm. Poncho while also just retaining. I, I gotta imagine the function and everything. It's just super fun. I mean, it's the pink poncho. Come on, everyone knows the pink poncho at this point. It's iconic. It's even referenced in the the tie-in novel. Ooh, it's canonical that Cal Kestis actually did wear the pink poncho at least once. So I'm gonna have to put it in S for now. I think it's gonna. I think that's what are where it's respectable. It's respectable. Very solid posting. Next we have Andor Calrissian. Andor Calrissian. Nope. Cassian Andor. Cassian Andor. Jesus. So this like, is a uh, this is another very solid one to me. This is I, very functional and also pretty stylish. It's got a hood. It's got like fur lining to it. It's like it seems the most like practical because it's like from an actual culture. It seems yeah. It's it's purely just like a warm. We're trying to stay warm in the mountains garment, which is one of the origins of of ponchos. Yeah, I'm thinking S tier above Cal Kestis. 
That's pretty strong. You think so? That's, Absolutely. That's a big, it's a big claim. I don't know. I'm going to put it behind Cal Custis. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe argument to be had, but yeah. Very functional. Again, the, it's just got a little bit more style to it, a little more pizzazz. Big standout from that Andor trailer. I remember being like, look, it, he's wearing a poncho. God bless. Big fan. Uh, next we have uh, Jin. Jin so this is maybe the most Star Wars-y of it all because she's all, got all kind of accoutrements. And she's got her gun. She's gadget got her strapped mask. to it. At her hat and the goggles, she's really bringing the whole ensemble together. Yeah, this is a big, this is a big outfit change for Jyn Erso in, uh, in Rogue One. So this is when she goes to try to save her dad, and she runs out into, oh, what planet is that? Oh, testing, testing. Oh, um, I can't remember. Ooh, that's a corner from your Star Wars card. But um, it's all rainy and shit, and you know she's running. Yeah, it's just a poncho. Again, this is very much a practical one for sure. She just puts it on because you're going out into the rain. That's when ponchos are useful. The most useful, some would say. So, some would say. I would probably say. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's good stuff, I think. I, I think, yeah, the accoutrements and the, and the gadgets and things and gizmos, it's it's fun looking. It's it's Star Wars-y. I think it fits the, the you know design of Rogue One in a good way. What do we think? You thinking like B kind of area? I was thinking maybe... Yeah, I'd say I'd say B because maybe it's, they were getting too complex. I was just going to say that, Jack. I think it's a good look, but, and it's interesting, but it's, yeah, it's a bit too much. a lot going on. Bobs and gizmos strapped onto your poncho. You know, I appreciate a poncho for being a simple, you know, free kind of garment. If you're strapping all this stuff to it, you're, you're losing some of the, the flexibility and the, you know. Mobility. The mobility of a, of a poncho. So I, I think B's just fine. We'll just throw it in here for now. Perfect. Next we have Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right, this is one of the ones I'm on the borderline about. What do we think? Is it a poncho or no poncho? It looks, it seems, it's not sleeves. It's not sleeves, but it does kind of look like it could just as easily be like a wrapped around thing. the shoulders, yeah, cloaky kind of thing. There's like a fold in it. Mm-hmm. If it is a poncho, I don't know if it's going to rank super high. It's probably going to be a C tier. Regardless, yeah. So Probably just throw it in C tier. I like the whole outfit, though. I do like the blue. It contrasts well with the outfit, right? It's it's cut low It's a little front, bit lower, yeah. Like gray, but yeah, not exactly. for the, I don't know if it's for this, good for the same reason because he's in the desert. So you probably want a whole thing to not get anything sandy. It's actually probably true in terms of like effectiveness in the desert. It probably suffers as well because you want it to be long and like cover more down to, to promote that airflow. If it's just up around your shoulders, I feel like it's just retaining heat as much as anything. Mm, I would say. So, boop. Next we have um, Ben Mendelsohn in. All right, we got Krennic. Krennic. So this is from. Um, I guess a couple. I don't remember if he's wearing it on the on that planet either. I think it's Eirdu. I think it's Edu is that planet. Mm. I think I've remembered it. But this is from the certainly from the opening scene uh, when they arrive on that planet. I definitely don't know um, don't when know they either. when they you know the opening scene of Rogue One. Finally, you know, really, a man of, a man your, of your talents. talents. Yeah, you get it. They gotta bring him back. The work is stalled. You're on the verge of greatness. We were this and close. He's wearing more of his field outfit than he wears later in the movies. Uh, because he's got his hat on, which I think is cool, and he's got yeah the this um sort of rain cape poncho type variant of the uh this sort of standard imperial uniform. Now he also has the thing where like you know Krennic is wearing a cape at all times anyways because he's just dramatic like that. But yeah, this is a uh, it's it's a little bit different than some of the options. But I would still maintain poncho. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a short poncho, but I would say it goes it goes down past his shoulders. It goes to about his armpits. It's, yeah, it's kind of more shouldery, and it's got like capey stuff, and then it very much has like a it goes cape. over his arms, which I think is the important part. But it doesn't have sleeves because there's different no, parts. No, he, so he's wearing his normal uniform under it, so it right. goes over top. Well, no, but I'm saying and right, then it's, no, these yeah. parts cover his sleeves. Yeah, I'm, but you're, I'm just saying, yeah, you're right. It doesn't have sleeves. He's he's got multiple almost, layers. Yeah, he's got layers on. It goes under the belt, which I think is a classy look. Oh, yeah, it does. Similar to Luke and Leia's from Endor, which is that you get a belt, which is sometimes, yeah, for, for like a for, for a practical, active type thing, right? Again, the poncho's nice and loose and freeing, but if you're actually going to be doing movement and activities and things, it kind of makes sense to to keep it, um, to retain it sort of to your to your mid like that, to your yeah. torso somewhere, because otherwise you can just be flopping and... Flopping and flowing. Flowing too much in like the wind and the breeze, and it's just, you know... Getting air gets up under it in a way that you don't necessarily want in all contexts. So in terms of a rain poncho like this, you're trying to stay dry from. I think it's really pretty solid, and I think it's a cool look. You know, the white and black contrasting of the uh, that imperial style uniform. You know, the ISB kind of look. I think it's. I think there's a lot to like here, Jack. I would say so. Um, yeah, I'd say might be a, might be an S tier, Jack. Let's throw it up. And he's also rocking the. 
the uh, the sidearm in this, and, and the, again the whole ensemble. It's got the death the trooper behind him. That's right. It is a cool. It's a good setting. Again, the hat. It's all. It's all fun. And then this is basically the same kind of thing, right? Yeah. This is just from later in the movie. Um, one of his like aid guys who's so less impressed. So it's basically everything also applies, but it's just this is the all black version. Um, we also see one of these kind of guys in Andor. Um, so I don't know. I'm thinking more like. B, I guess, A or B, because, you know, he's not, he's not really, again, he doesn't have the accoutrements. Again, it w- all, I think all being, being all black detracts from it because it's just kind of leather. Less contrast. You see a lot of or, the seams. Yeah, yeah. It's less interesting. You know, there's no contrast to it. It's just all homogenous, which is not as fun as the black and white yeah. I think, combo. So I'm thinking probably like B. B is it's good. still, again, all the same stuff still applies. It Like, it seems a very effective garment overall, but. Mm-hmm. So, All right, Jack. So, how are we sitting here? I mean, I don't know. It seems we're sitting pretty solid. I'm all done with that. Didn't scroll any further, but I was tempted to. Um, <laughs> we're sitting pretty well, I think. I mean, looking over, looking this over, I'm kind of like everybody's sitting. Um, honestly, I don't think we, three S tiers. I think is enough. I think so. Don't want to oversaturate. Bs are we got a lot in the middles. B and C. A couple we gotta, A's. We got I guess the only thing is that like we're very like recent biased. To an extent, with the S tiers, right? That's true. We don't have a lot of the OGs, you know, the original trilogy ponchos. But I mean, hey, they're not doing. They're going to do it better. They're going to do it better. I mean, yeah. I, I do think we Bo-Katan have the technology. Bo-Katan is a really solid one. I could maybe be persuaded to bump it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if anything, Ray might be a little high in retrospect, just because there's not a lot to it. Again, that's that's one where the whole the whole ensemble does it for me more than anything, because it is just a gray poncho mm-hmm. ultimately. But I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm I do think the Bo-Katan's really solid. Look, I think it's super cool, rocking the whole the Mandalorian getup, and you just got a poncho on over top with the hood and everything. Huh. I do like the whole like we have to point the thing down because it'll stick up too much. That's fun. I think it's just neat. It's a neat mm. touch, good detail. You could have, I feel like you almost could have just as easily taken it off and just ignored it, but you kept it in, which I think shows class. I think it is. I think it's class. I think it was a classy move by the animators. Big fan all around. Yeah. So, if you had to pick one, Jack, you need a poncho that you're going to get to use in your daily life. Which one are you are you going towards then? I'm picking the Andor one. I think I'm picking the Andor one, too. That one, like, and it's just... And get the most use out of that. Just, just you know, leisurely. It seems thick enough that around. I'd wear it on, like, a like a end of, like, a dry winter. Sure. Like a tundra. Because not, like, a... I don't think I'd wear it, like, in the snow. I don't know if it's for snow, but, like, definitely no, for, like, thing. mountainous where, like, doesn't there's not a lot of precipitation. But, you know, you could combine them. You get, like, ponchos, and then there's, you know poncho liner so you could use one of these as like a this is like an insulating warm layer and then you could get you know one of the more standard traditional ponchos in the list here throw over top it's just your waterproof layer and then bob's your uncle oh yeah yeah on a, definitely honorable mention to the Hawkbat battalion guys big shout out again i mean i think b is just fine for the for the endors yeah they're doing all right and then yeah they, i mean these are by far the least interesting overall outfits mm. i think Absolutely. This one, I mean, yeah, this one definitely deserves a spot at the bottom here. It's kind of abysmal. Kind of abysmal. And then Qui-Gon, I mean, he's wearing his Jedi outfit, but, like, I do think that's less interesting, ultimately, than, like, the Clone Wars-era Anakin outfit or even Ahsoka. Again, her her poncho just has a little bit more style that edges it out, but his whole objective here is to be completely inconspicuous, and I think he achieves it pretty well. Yeah, because I don't even want to remember him. That's right. But much love to Qui-Gon himself and to... God bless him. ...the man Liam Neeson, but I think... Rip the homie. I think this about does it, Jack. I think we, I think we've successfully done it here. We've ranked all the ponchos. I I think I did a pretty good job of hitting all the ponchos. Yeah, I might have missed some. I also got to say, there's definitely some like generic ponchos, right? In terms of like, you know, random, you know, just rebel troopers and whatnot, and civilians and civilians such. who are wearing ponchos. But I think these are all like your notable named characters mm. rocking ponchos. Because I didn't just pick every like resistance trooper who's got one on in the final battle. Actually. Now, come to think of it, maybe I think Lieutenant Connix might be wearing one in the final battle in in the Rise of Skywalker. So maybe I should have grabbed that one. But you live and you learn, huh? Absolutely. Maybe maybe there'll be enough content to revisit this one day sooner or later. Or we'll just do a different tier list. If we add in some more. Well, we could always be doing tier lists, but it's just Ponchos was near and dear to my heart. Just thought it'd be oh, fun. Yeah. So we'll see how this one can shake out with editing and stuff. Yeah, we'll see. Again, if if nothing else. We'll just post the final picture <laughs> and be like, here's what we think about the ponchos. And uh, this will be a completely intolerable, just unlistenable segment. It might be already. Again, you might just have to. I haven't, I was thinking about that. Watch I was, the video. I don't know. I was it's thinking like mostly just for us. Just us rambling. Which a lot of it is. So just, you know, 
We got the time codes, all right? If you didn't want to listen to it. So if you were, yeah, if you wanted to tune out, you tune out. Mute and just let the rest of the video play, whatever you do. Of course. I mean, it's too late for that now because you've already, if you made it here, you've made it here. If you made it through us rambling about the Star Wars Hotel, you're like, well, I'm already in for the long haul. That's right. So there it is. Ponchos, baby. All about them. So I hope you didn't find that entirely too ridiculous. Um, And with that, I uh, think I'm going to have to wrap it up here. So as always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically whatever podcast catcher of your choice. Um, On Instagram, we are at The Akatak Podcast. Uh, Twitter, we are at Akatak Jazz. Our uh, Spotify in specific is Akatak Jazz. As always, our logo is done by friend of the show, uh, Jeffrey Gonzalez, artist. Uh, He's at inkocean.jpg on Instagram. Um, Our intro music is done by friend of the show, artist Celery Salt, who is on SoundCloud. And of course, as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets, and um, in Jack's stead, I will say uh, good night and Godspeed.